Great afternoon. You are in the fast lane with Sarah Jane, and I have found another non-toxic homeschool mom, which makes me really excited. Actually, I think Anna Truffle is my first non-toxic and homeschool mom. So welcome into the fast lane. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. So I have seen her speak and I have watched her rise through the ranks of Pure Haven and anyone who's listened to the podcast know Pure Haven is near and dear to my heart. And Anna uh, does very well with Pure Haven sharing the non-toxic message. So let's start with how did you begin your non-toxic journey? Oh my goodness. Well, my journey goes way, way back. <laughs> I don't even know like where to start. Do you want me to talk about where it started with Pure Haven or just my non-toxic journey overall? Just overall. Yeah, my wellness journey, I guess. Pure yeah. Haven would have just been kind of like a benefit. Yeah, that just would have been a piece of the puzzle. So how did I know. you start on the non-toxic journey? Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So I was raised in Russia, actually, um, and born there as well. And my father was always into holistic wellness. He was more into, you know, yoga and things more natural. Like he would be doing body hardening where you, you know, come out in the snow and rub the snow on yourself and take cold showers and like all those things. So, you know, having grown up witnessing this and being part of this, you know, mm -hmm. I was just naturally leaning towards um, more holistic mindset. But then we came to US when I was a teenager. And things are very different here culturally. And just we came from communist Russia, right? So when we came to the US, it was the expectation of, um, well, the medical um, industry here the medicine in the states is so much better and doctors are like gods here and it was just a totally different mindset and it just switched for me I went from holistic to an all natural to trusting um, trusting that area more of uh, traditional mainstream medicine just because of the way our immigrant mindset was set up right and I was quickly actually um, disappointed because anytime I faced any sort of health issue or concern or um, doctors just couldn't provide the solution that would deliver um, an actual result that was of healing. I felt like everything was kind of mm, revolving around band-aids. You know, you have a headache. Well, here is the, you know, take this medicine so that you don't feel the pain okay, I don't feel the pain, but the headache is still there. I'm just not feeling it. Well, something is off in my body. Who is going to figure out, like, can you help me with that? And nobody was even looking that deep. So, and I want to say that was about 20 years ago for me, where I said, you know, something is off. This is just not the way things are supposed to be. This does not feel good. <laughs> I got to look for a different solution. And we were struggling, my husband and I, because I've been with my husband for a very long time. We're um, college sweethearts. So we were going through our own issues. And I was like, Michael, we got to do something else. There's got to be something else out there besides this. And we started looking into homeopathy. And a lot of people I find in my um, line of work now turn to alternative medicine when the mainstream medicine, the allopathy, if you will, mm -hmm. fails them. 
Mm -hmm. So that was my mm -hmm. experience to kind of going back onto that um, holistic wellness journey. And that started about 20 years ago with homeopathy. And um, it just made all the difference. And that opened up my eyes to uh, ingredients and products and paying attention to the food that I was eating. Because when we came, when I was a teenager, we came from not having anything in Russia, like there was food was scarce, right? Like you couldn't get the things you wanted. There was not always bread available or milk available. Store shelves were empty. It was really wow. a terrible situation. Yeah. To having an abundance here, you go into a supermarket and you're like, wow, all these colorful things and pop tarts and frozen pizza and microwaves and convenience. <laughs> so I was just like so excited and high on life. But after just, you know, a couple of years of that American lifestyle, I was like, oh, I'm not feeling too good. Like what happened, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that was my experience. But getting back onto my wellness journey really helped open my eyes to, well, just because it's in United States, as amazing as this country is, just because it's on the shelves in American stores, that doesn't mean that it's good for you, right? right? So I started looking more into the ingredients and just being more aware um, of what I'm putting in my body, on my body, and so on. So that's, I guess, so answers your question of how I got onto my non-toxic journey. Well, I love that it has been a long journey for you. And I was just speaking last night and I said, I find it really sad that a lot of people don't go non-toxic until they have to, until they have a diagnosis of cancer or maybe Alzheimer's or some type of autoimmune disease. It, it takes something earth shattering in order for people to realize that this isn't a joke and it's not a fad. And like you said, we just assume that if it's on the shelves, it's safe. And that is not the case. Yeah, absolutely. And just to be a little bit more vulnerable, I guess I fall into that category as well. I kind of glanced over saying I wasn't feeling well or something wasn't. I was dealing with a pretty serious issue myself to the point where I was put on daily antibiotics. I was put on antidepressants. Wow. It was just a complete nightmare. And the last diagnosis I was, I was having issues with my bladder and a whole bunch of other issues. But um, the last specialist that I saw, she, I, I'll never forget this. This is after like two years of this nightmare situation that I was going through. She told me, um, well, there's nothing else we can do to help you. But there's one thing that a lot of people do, and that will, that will be your best bet. And I was like, okay, well, what is this? I'm ready to do anything. And she said, we'll just take your bladder out. And we'll have a little pouch. You'll have a little pouch that you'll wear on the belt and you'll have a little tube, you know, coming and connected to your kidneys. And, you know, you'll just live like that. A lot of people live like that. It's okay. <gasps> and that was, that was it. So that was it for me. And I said, you know, I can't, I, I'm like barely from, you know, experience from somebody who's been on antidepressants that was only on them at that point for maybe a few months. You kind of feel like like a zombie. You're kind of living, but you're not really living because you're watching everything through this veil and you're not able to express your emotions. It's like you're like a zombie, right? Like I don't know how it is. You feel else numb. to describe it. You feel numb. You feel mm -hmm. numb. You can't yep. really laugh. You can't really be sad. You're like in the, in existence that's not really worthwhile. 
Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like. So, but something spoke to me at that moment. And I said, you know what? This can't be happening. Like this is not happening right now. There's got to be something else out there. So absolutely. Um, yeah, a lot. I wish there was more people doing this preventatively, mm-hmm. but unfortunately um, it does take things like that mm-hmm. to get shaken up and really saying, okay, something's got to change. And your husband was cool with the non-toxic journey? Well, he had no option, right? At this point, he was willing to do anything. He was willing to do anything. And a friend actually told me about homeopathy. And I've kind of heard of it. My grandparents used to practice it back in Russia. They used to take those little, you know, pellets. And I was like laughing, like sugar pills. I mean, come on, you know. So I did a complete 180. So a friend told me about a homeopath who helped a family member with go through cancer and come out on you know, the positive side of it um, healed. So I called that homeopath and that homeopath was in Canada and we actually got into a car. She listened to my story. She was, you know, actually empathized, which I found there's really lack of empathy in in the traditional uh, mainstream medicine, right? So she listened to me and even though she was super busy and it was her day off the next day, she said, okay, I, you have to come. I have to see you. I can help you. We got in the car at like two o'clock in the morning and we drove all night to get to Canada to see this woman. And she did help me. It was tremendous experience. Um, It took me about two years to get back to 100% to normal, about three years to get to better than I ever was. Mm. And it's been, you know, those long 20 years since. And, you know, Knock on wood. (laughs) I am, you know, as as good as new. So what about your dad? Did he ever fall into the modern medicine or did he has, did he always stay? He didn't. Oh my goodness. He didn't. And I was to the point where I was working for corporate America. I was working on wall street for this big giant UBS. And they were, uh, when one of the things they were doing, they were doing free flu shots for everyone. (laughs) all the time. And yeah. they'll be like, all right, so today our department, we're meeting at one o'clock in the cafeteria. Everybody's getting a flu shot. And I was like, yay, we're getting free flu shots. Amazing. So I would go and I would get a flu shot and I would get sick every single time, like really badly. Like a week later, I would be so sick with flu. And my dad is like, this is weird. You just got this thing and now you're sick. You know what I would tell him? Well, I bet I would be more sick if I didn't get it. And he said, now it sounds so absurd to me. And he said, well, I don't have it at all. I never (laughs) got it. And I'm not sick and I'm not getting flu. I'm like, well, you should get it. He's like, so he kind of gave up on me for a little, but thank goodness that phase was real. I needed that wake up call quick. So that phase was really quick for me. So I didn't get stuck in there for too long. And Mm -hmm. I just did a 180, like right back where I was, you know, where I started from with my wellness journey. So my parents, my dad never got back onto, I mean, not, not back onto, he never got fascinated with this whole thing. He, I would be like, you have to go and get your checkup every year, twice a year. It's like, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. And I don't want to stereotype because I have been stereotyped many times for being all natural uh, now doing homeschool, but I also had home births. Did you have home births at all? Oh yeah, you, you bet. did. 
you bet. Two, two. I have two kids and two homeborn babies. Yep, yep. Okay, so I have three children, but I only had two of them at home because my husband was convinced I was too old to have my third one at home. Oh. Um, and because I was a geriatric pregnancy, but I had two home births in water. And mm -hmm. one was in an apartment and one was in the basement of our house. And that just blows people's minds. And I will tell people, and as crazy as this sounds to whoever is listening, I was, I had a bad experience with the hospital and then I was scared to do it in the hospital. So I just wanted to do it on my own terms and whatever. And it was great. I would have done it a third time. Oh my goodness. It was the most amazing experience. If I've done you know, if I've made a few right decisions in my life, this was definitely one of them. It was amazing. I, it's something that I'm so proud of. We didn't have the support of family members. Nope. It's because they're not, you know, in the beginning, same with homeschooling, actually, they weren't on board, you know, at first, but I'm the kind of person where I'm pretty strong willed, you know, and I, I'm opinionated and I know what I want <laughs> and mm -hmm. what I need and what's right for me. And um, thankfully, I had the support of my husband. So we went through with both and we couldn't be happier with both of those decisions, homeschooling, home birthing. It was just the right match for us. So did, have you always homeschooled or did they ever go to public school? We have always homeschooled. We have okay. always homeschooled. And it's actually funny how it started. My home birth was not always, I was not always set to be home birth because in Russia, home birth didn't exist. We had these special birth centers where women would go and then they would stay there for like five days to a week. Visitors were not allowed. You couldn't go in. So like a woman would be showing a baby through the window, like on the third floor and people are standing like downstairs, just like waving. Really? Bizarre, like totally crazy um, experience for women giving birth in Russia back then. So um, I always thought I'll give birth in the hospital, but I was at the point where I was seven months pregnant and I didn't have OBGYN, I kept getting kicked out from one practice to another. You were a rebel I, pregnant lady? I refused their treatments. One tried to push me to get a whooping cough vaccine. Another one said he needed to do an exam when I was six months pregnant. I'm like, you have no business being in there now. Like, you know, it's not time yet. So I just kept getting kicked out and didn't feel like the right fit. <laughs> so there I am like seven and a half months pregnant. And I'm like, I don't have, a, I don't know how this baby is coming out, you know, because I don't have um, an OBGYN. And uh, yeah, and then my, but I did have a doula. So my doula said, you know, I think you should really consider home birth. <laughs> So what, what is this? Like, tell me more. I had no idea that was an option. When she told me, I'm like, yeah, I'm terrified of going to the hospital after all my experiences in the past. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah, because my feeling is you go to the hospital if something is like seriously wrong, right? Yeah. Um, you don't go to the hospital if everything is right when it comes to birth. Mm -hmm. So if everything is going right, it's a natural process. You really don't need all the interventions. So I was lucky enough to find a midwife that was amazing and supportive. And my first birth was 48 hours of natural labor. <laughs> oh my gosh. 48 hours. Yeah. My kid was go doing really well, but then she decided to flip, turn and stick her hand out like by her head. <gasps> and she got a little stuck. <laughs> 
So at this point, you can imagine if I were at the hospital, that would have been a mandatory C-section. It would have yep. been just a mess. But with the experienced midwife, I had two midwives, one registered nurse, a doula, uh, midwife's helper. So there was like a mini <laughs> hospital, if you will, here at the house. And um, yeah, they were able to, with certain exercises, to turn this baby around. And she came out at 42 weeks and one day. <laughs> Wow. She was even a little overcooked. Yeah, she was big, baby. She was like almost nine pounds, 22 inches. She like came out holding up her, her head. Yeah, she was all ready to go. Wow. So my midwife was the one who told me about homeschooling. That's how I found out. So it's really interesting how life works itself out, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it brings it you the people to help you along the journey. Yeah. Yeah, she was the one I was, I came to her house once when I was um, maybe eight months pregnant or so, and they were setting up a table for dinner and she has five children. And I was looking at them, how they're with her, how they are like interacting between themselves. And I, she invited me to stay for dinner. I stayed for dinner and I was just watching this whole family dynamic. And I said, oh my goodness. And there were older children too. And I said, this is amazing. How how like I've never seen anything like that and she said well I homeschool and you see that a lot in homeschool children and I said what is that again that was like a new thing a new concept completely homeschool like how does that work and she told me all about it she introduced me to the community so my husband and I talked about it and there was no other there was no doubt in our mind that that's what we wanted to do and how old are your kids right now they're 10 and 7 Okay. So I have found it. And I mean, from one mom to another mom, I'm anxious to hear what you have to say, because I pulled mine. Well, you know, everyone had to pull theirs from school at one point. Right. And so the next year, there was just so many restrictions. I didn't want to send them back because I thought it doesn't really sound like you're able to be much of a kid because there's so many more rules and restrictions. So I kept them home. I kept them home again this year because we liked it last year. It was good. Mine are 10 and eight. My four-year-old, not in school yet. My eight-year-old would stay homeschooled probably forever. He loves to read. He loves to snuggle, whatever. My 10-year-old is starving for just people. And they come with me to my office and people come in every day. I love that aspect because I can hear them have the conversations with adults. Like, I bet you were happy about the rain. I know you like to garden, you know, like they can have real conversations and it literally just makes me so happy because sometimes kids just can't have a conversation with an adult. I agree with you. I've seen that many times. Yep. And I find that I find it to be very important to talk to people of all ages at whatever stage you're at in life. Right. Yeah. Um, but he keeps needing more people interaction. And so we had this discussion yesterday and I said, if you think that you need to go back to school purely to be with people, I don't want this to strain our relationship. I don't want you to hold it against me. And he said, no, I like homeschool. I just need to be around more kids, but we don't have a large homeschool community around here. Right. And so, so he still plays sports with the school and whatever. So without just doing play dates, it's difficult to try to get into you know, just being with more kids. And I understand why he wants to be with kids, but at the end of the day, I don't want him to look back and not have liked homeschool purely because of that, because there's a heck of a lot more to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, um, 
also, if you think about it, it's a little bit deceiving, right? So there's really not a lot of socialization, if you will, that's happening in school, right? So, okay, you see, maybe you see other children, but they're told, you know, to stay quiet, right? There's certain hierarchy in the classroom and they're there, like how many times will the teacher tell you no talking, right? So when can you talk? Two cup, like a few minutes here and there between recess, there's really... Uh, not so much socialization. And as far as uh, socializing skills too, it's all the same age group, right? So I see a lot of uh, public school kids or government school kids, whatever you want to call them, um, not being able to socialize with peers, with children and adults and you know outside of their own age group. They won't make eye contact. They won't say hello to an adult uh, if they meet like on the street with a parent and their children, right? I'll, I'll approach them and I'll say something and try to maybe like have a small talk conversation. They shy mm -hmm. away and they won't look at you because they're so used to adults being authority. So I don't know really if it prepares them for the real world because once they're out in the real world, it's all different age groups. You got to try yeah. to figure out, you know, when you work for a corporate environment, you know, you can have a boss that's 30 years older or younger or who knows, you know? So it's not the same I don't feel really it's a good preparation for, um, you know, the real life environment, that type of situation. And I'll tell you what I did when I started, we didn't have a big homeschool community at all. And my oldest one who is 10 now, who, yeah, she's 10 now, she is an extrovert. She needs a lot of like her social calendar is bursting <laughs> and she wants to be out and about. And my, it got to the point where my husband was like, you know, you can't call it homeschool because you never home. You got to like come up with a different name. It's got to be out school or something. <laughs> Don't deceive people because we'd leave at nine o'clock in the morning and come back at eight. So I started, I took matters into my own hand and I said, okay, there are other people. I know there's other people. And everybody's sitting and thinking there's not a lot of us. Um, so I don't really have the activities. I just started putting together things myself. So I would find, let's say my daughter really likes um, ballet. I would find a ballet teacher that I really like, a ballet studio. We would try it out during like regular hours. And then I would say, if I find a group of five kids or however many, because most of those studios and all those places, they're empty during the day when the kids are in school. So yeah. they'd rather offer a huge homeschool discount for their classes or provide a service than they're paying rent regardless, right? Yeah. So I just started organizing homeschool activities like that myself. And I've been doing that for six years now. I started doing that when she was four. And now we have homeschool Friday, homeschool Monday, and we do all different things. So it's not really like a co-op, but it's also, it provides a lot of that interaction that my oldest needs do you follow a curriculum pretty strictly or no no it's very very eccentric we, we go with almost like child-led learning for example if you ask my 10 uh, year old you know people sometimes ask what grade are you in you know how she'll answer <laughs> she'll say what subject <laughs> <laughs> Because it really know. depends, you know, she's 10, but she'll do seventh grade math, you know, and she'll be in a different level in science and something totally different in language arts. So it, it really, you know, that's the beauty of homeschool. It's completely mm -hmm. personalized to your child. Mm -hmm. I found it absolutely fascinating how much I learned about them because just from their grades coming home and knowing them how I knew them, 
I kind of had a picture painted how they were at school. And then when we had to school, I hated it because my oldest son would say, well, that's not what my teacher said. My teacher didn't say that. And I thought, crew, it doesn't like your teacher's not here. And I have this piece of paper and we need to do this stuff, but it was different than his teacher. So he didn't like it, but taking it in my own hands, I have liked it a lot better because we are a lot more flexible. And I have found that they are way different than what I had painted. You know, I painted this picture and that's not how they learn at all. And I'm really, really grateful that I've had this time. And I go with, I hear this stuff all the time. You know, people question why, how do you have time to do it? And why did you want to do it? Isn't it easier? And I've, I'm honest, it would be much easier for me to get up and send them to school every morning. And I could just go do my chiropractic job. It yeah. would. Yeah. yeah, that would be the easiest thing. But like this year, we did a lot of traveling. So then they would have been gone a lot. And there's, there's a lot of stuff that we've been able to do that we wouldn't have been able to do regardless. Yeah. But sometimes people take it personally. I'm in, I'm in a small community and I've never had any qualms with any of our teachers. We had great mm -hmm. teachers. I was a room mom. I really liked it. Um, and so I, but when you go against the norm, you know, it's yeah. just, it's awkward for people. Oh yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. You have to have that personality. I have a lot of mom friends who do struggle when family doesn't agree and mm -hmm. friends don't approve. People make slight comments, you know, so you really have to just be so sure that you're doing the right thing for your child and for yourself to really be okay with it and not care, not let it affect you. But it does get annoying sometimes. I'll just roll my eyes and be like, okay. You know, some people feel they need to explain themselves. I'm like, it's not for everyone. It's not right, for you. Right. <laughs> Being a little snobby right. homeschool mom here, you know, I'm like, that's all right. Whatever. It's, it works for us. Yeah. I try like when people say something in, in this kind of in the same context and I'll say, yeah, well, my kids really aren't weird yet. So I'll worry about it then. And I, and I don't mean homeschool kids are weird, but I'm saying my kids are fine. They're fine here. They're fine in social situations. They're, you know, they haven't changed. Yeah. I mean, how many weird, weird kids are in school and they're just weird kids out there, you know, <laughs> whether they're homeschooled or not, they're weird people. I don't really know. There's weird adults. Exactly. There's weird <laughs> adults. So I don't know. My kids are not weird, but also, you know, it allows you to really know when you homeschool, it allows you to know the gaps, right? Like if there's, when you started school and I'm sure you found out, okay, well, I can't believe you don't really know this. I have a friend, for example, who, whose child was going to a private school. It was a French uh, school where there was, it was like French immersion. But they were also studying how to read English. Obviously, the school is in America, right? This child was nine years old. She, when she took her out during the, when the pandemic started, she realized her child doesn't know how to read. So, you know, things like that. <laughs> so it really allowed people, allows people to keep a pulse, you know, keep a, like a finger on the pulse of what your child really needs, knows, and um, so you can adjust. What would be your best advice for someone who is thinking about homeschooling right now? Thinking of starting to homeschool? Mm -hmm. Like if they're on the fence and they're thinking, oh, that might be better. My kid isn't doing so well in school. We need a change. What would you say to them? I would say just give it a try and see because there is always, you can always put your kid back, right? You won't know if it works for you. It doesn't work for you unless you try it. 
But one thing that I would say, probably one of the biggest advice advices that you can't homeschool is not school at home. So I see a lot of people trying to set up mini homeschool rooms, you know, with a classroom and a whiteboard or a blackboard, whatever that is, and where kids have to raise their hands and like all, all the things, you know, and they're basically trying to take that brick and mortar, you know, government school environment and bring it into their house and do the recess and do the 10 subjects a day at 40 minutes each. And it's really, it defies the purpose. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely not how we do it. So if anyone out there is doing that, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there are a lot of people it. doing that. There are a lot of people wow. doing that. And I don't know if you follow any uh, homeschool groups on Facebook, people post their stuff and their moms that are really taking that whole public government school approach and just putting it in their homes and boxing it up and then wondering why the kid is not thriving. And, you know, the answer is obvious, <laughs> mm -hmm. but not to them. You, a lot of people really go through that process of realizing, well, the whole point of homeschool is the freedom of doing it differently and doing it. Mm -hmm. So the way that it works for your family and for your child. And how about someone who thinks that non-toxic lifestyle is a joke and it's just too expensive? What do you say to them? Uh, well, first of all, I share my story. Okay, so I'm a living example of that. And now that I have a life coaching practice where I help people, you know, have a, get onto a clean and healthy lifestyle, I have so many client examples that I can share without names or sharing too many details where it really does make a difference. And uh, I mean, look at the very famous saying, right? An ounce of prevention is worth what? A pound of cure. So really it's, much more expensive to deal with expensive treatments later on and you can't buy time right some illnesses take away our lifetime mm -hmm. so to say that it's too expensive is just to say it without thinking it through so absolutely i do share my story and i share examples and being preventative and it doesn't have to be expensive right because mm -hmm. when i go let's say a supermarket and i look at bananas like or a good example i don't know what your pricing there is i'll give you our pricing in new jersey it's 59 cents versus 69 cents for organic it doesn't really make that much of a difference right so a lot of produce a lot of um grains you could find relatively like priced almost the same it's not that much more expensive to make more conscious decisions mm -hmm. yeah well, I wish we were in person because I feel like we really did just sit here and just kind of have a nice chat over a cup of coffee. So I am so grateful that you had time to share your story. And I know that it will resonate uh, with some of my listeners. So thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Sarah. It was such a pleasure. I, I do wish too we lived closer. This was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated.